Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name's David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. I'd like to begin today's podcast by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we broadcast today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and recognise the ongoing contribution they make to the life of this city and region. Today's episode of Work With Purpose is a recording of a session that took place in June where IPA looked at the public service medals and the importance of those public service medals that recognise outstanding service by employees of the Australian government, state, territory and local government employees and about the contribution that those people make. Now, today's session is hosted by Virginia Hausiger, who is an adjunct professor at the University of Canberra, and her guests are Caroline Edwards, who indeed has a public service medal. Uh, She was formerly the Associate Secretary at the Department of Health, and indeed she was in that position at the time of this recording, and she is also an IPA ACT councillor. Paul Way, who indeed also has a public service medal, he is the Director General of the Department of Defence, and to complete the panel, Dr. Roz Baxter, also someone with a public service medal. And Dr. Baxter is the Deputy Secretary of the Department of Education, Skills and Employment. It's a fascinating discussion about a very important recognition inside the Australian public service, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And it begins with the voice of the moderator, Virginia Hausiger. Well, welcome to you all. Now, as I said earlier, first and foremost, I want to hear what it was like that moment you found out, where you were told either by letter or you were told or however it came to you, that you were to be the recipient of a public service medal. Now, Paul, you're closest to me. I'll start with you. Um, thanks, Virginia. The, and I guess my first reaction was... Uh, have I just been scammed by email? Because <laughs> <coughs> that's how, it, uh, how the advice came through from the, uh, from the Governor General's. Um, uh, and I was thinking, is this really me? There was that uh, aspect of uh, the Public Service Medal and, and how much it does mean to, to individuals and to, to the team. Did you find yourself checking the name on it? I was checking very carefully. <laughs> you know, is it Paul Way or Paul Wade or et cetera? Um, but... Uh, then you get that feeling, as you mentioned earlier, you get a feeling of uh, that your work has been, uh, has been recognised and, and indeed, from my perspective, it was the work of the team as well. Mm. And how do you ensure that the, the team that's worked with you uh, so closely to deliver various outcomes uh, are actually also recognised? Uh, and then I also reflected at length about the family involvement. Uh, we all have that, that journey... Uh, with our families and uh, within my role, I have very much a focus upon support for the families of Defence Force members. Mm. And my own family uh, contributed greatly towards the, uh, the PSM as well. In fact, Sue, who's my wife, will tell you that PSM doesn't stand for Public Service Medal. It stands for Primarily Sue's Medal. <laughs> Good on you, Sue. And that's exactly what it should be. I think all partners and spouses, yeah, should uh, actually receive medals too. Um, Caroline, now, uh, 
Uh, Paul received it through an email. I'm assuming you might have too. I, I know I received a letter, and I must admit, when I saw it was a, a letter from the Governor-General's office, I um, assumed it was an invitation to something, and I actually left it sitting on the table for a day. <laughs> um, because I actually thought I knew what it was. We had a, a UN women's event coming up, and I just assumed that's what it was. So when I finally got around to opening it, I did a double read as well, I must admit. What about you, Karen? I got an email as well. Um, and the, the truth is I dealt with the email in the same way I dealt with the other 1,500 emails I dealt with on that day about all sorts of other things is tick and flick. It's because, a bit like Paul, I'd had the conversation earlier and I think I'd been on my high horse with my husband one day saying, bloody honours, they're not diverse and they go the wrong people and those people get paid a lot. And, <laughs> and I said, and if I get offered one, the answer is definitely no. <laughs> and my husband said, no, it's not. And it's not because someone's put you up for it and because you've got to respect the work you do because it's a team and also because I want it. He said, a bit like yeah. Sue. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so do your kids for all of those days that you weren't with them and you were at work. Um, and we'd had that conversation and I got off my hot horse and said, well, it's actually not about me in the same way. Uh, and also as public servants, I mean, the public service medal is probably one of the only times it's actually about us. Uh, we spend all our time in the background and behind and, um, and so on. And so it is something to celebrate that public service can be celebrated as something in itself as a special and unique thing. So, but, but the day it came in, I, it was really in, out, tick, flick, uh, uh, because it's been a bit like that lately. It's interesting that you say, in, well, in a moment you had said, if I got one, I wouldn't take it, I'd say no. I, I must admit, I had um, been through that thought process myself. Years ago, I interviewed a, a recipient of the AM, um, a professor, Jocelyn Scott, who was a barrister in Victoria at the time, and she actually sent hers back uh, after receiving it yeah. when uh, over the debate about the Republic and said she sent it back and she asked for it to be put on hold um, until Australia becomes a Republic. And I was interviewing her just recently, actually, for my podcast, and I asked her about that. And I said, look, I'm, she lives in Cambridge now. She's in, in London. And I said, look, I'm really embarrassed to say it, but I actually received one and I took it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really interesting having that conversation because I must admit I did a lot of that, that as a journalist, I think, does too, thought about is this right, should I, shouldn't I, what does this mean to me? Um, and it, it's, the reflection itself is very, I think, very useful. Ros, what about you? Um, so I think that we were away for a weekend and I think I was actually having a glass of wine so I was pretty, you know, chilled space and someone was opening our mail for us, I can't remember who, but rang me and said there's a letter here from the Governor-General, do you want to open it? And I was like, oh yes please, let's find out what this is. Um, and they told me, and all the kids were around me, I've got four children, youngest was then six, they were all around me, they all got initially disproportionately really excited and I realised afterwards that they thought it was like a Logie or an Academy <laughs> Award. I think they were imagining television. Well, it is. It is. And that was actually reinforced because on the day I went to get it, Hugh Jackman got one at my ceremony. Oh, oh, right. So Better than a Logie. <laughs> not only were they not at all interested in what I got it for, but they actually were kind of pushing me out of the way to get a photo with me. <laughs> And then my two eldest boys, who were probably, I don't know, a couple of years ago, 14 and 15, got a photo with Hugh Jackman and them and me and my husband and photoshopped us out <laughs> and put it up on their social media. So the whole thing, so that was kind of the first reaction was a bit of, it's some sort of Logies Academy caught up in that. And then afterwards, because I'd been on holidays and was having a little glass and I did get a little bit emotional, but I think Aww. it is that thing people have talked about, about yeah. the service, you know, how you yeah. feel about the service and your, your sense of privilege mm. and pride. 
Um, and then I think because a lot of the, I think this particular award um, came off the back of doing the National Redress Scheme for Survivors of mm. Child Sexual Abuse. So I had a little bit of a moment of mm. thinking about those people that I'd worked with and it, it does come back to that, that feeling, doesn't it, of it, it, a validation. You know what you do is important, obviously, um, or you wouldn't do it, but and you wouldn't work so hard at it, but it, it's a validation, isn't it, that it's, it's important. Well, and a validation, I guess, of them too, you know, because that scheme was... I mean, we did it, the public service kind of pushed it, but it wouldn't have even been a thing if all of those people hadn't kind of gone out and told terrible stories and put mm. themselves through a tremendously personally difficult thing. So um, I look forward to seeing the Hugh Jackman photo. I'll find <laughs> it, yeah. I must say, at my investiture, the Seekers were there. They were receiving um, medals as well. And uh, I must say, for me, that was a really big deal. I couldn't wait to get photos with them and send them to my, my father. <laughs> oh, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman actually responded to them when they posted it as well. Oh, so because wow. they tagged him in it. And then he responded. And I think after that, they thought it was going to be a relationship. But now, I want to ask you all about public service itself as, as a vocation, as a career, as a lifelong commitment. Um, the obvious question is why? Why public service when I'm sure all of you could probably make squillions working in the private sector, um, but you have dedicated yourselves to public service and... I'm interested in, to know why. Caroline. So I, I grew up in Canberra. My uh, parents were living in Melbourne. My father was blind and so had a lot of trouble as a journalist and finally got a job in the public service having worked on the weather desk at the Herald Sun or something. Um, anyway, in the public service. So we moved to Canberra and I grew up here. And I eventually moved back to Melbourne to go to university. Uh, and I, again, I remember... This, today's going to be full of things I said that didn't come to pass. I said... Doesn't matter what I do in my life, there is no way I'm going back to Canberra to be a public servant. <laughs> so I was absolutely adamant that that wouldn't happen. Just like you said you wouldn't accept a PSM. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really, I'm letting myself down here. But, um, and then I actually fell into it by accident. I had to come back to Canberra because um, my mother was unwell. I said, oh, well, I better get a job. I was working as a corporate lawyer, can you believe, in those days? Seems a long time ago. Uh, and I rang up somebody who was advertising a SOG C, remember those? And said, hey, I'm going to apply for this SOG C, legal SOG C or whatever it was, um, but uh, have you got any photocopying or something in the meantime because I really need to come quick? And like five minutes later, I sort of had the job on a temporary basis. And like it was all a bit of a drama because when I arrived, I realised afterwards the staff network had a meeting to complain about the bad merit process and everything. <laughs> so I all came in and everyone looked at me a bit strangely because they'd all been agitating, but it was sort of too late, the temporary contract had been signed. And so I arrived with no idea what, like, in fact, I don't know about other people, I've never started a job in my life that I had any idea what it was going to be when I got there. Um, but anyway, I quickly got into it. Um, and this was the Office of Indigenous Affairs at PMNC back in the, the day when Paul Keating was the Prime Minister. Um, and I quickly came to find that really there's nothing quite like it. I mean, having worked in a little bit in the university and in private practice and so on, in terms of the complexity of ideas and your capacity to influence and the mm. thought processes that go on, the mm. team, the networks you can make and, and the capacity to really have um, the good of the nation as your aim, wherever it is, no matter what little part you play. And I've thought many times about leaving the service over the years, but there's probably nothing quite like that um, 
that, that I know of anyway. Uh, in, it, so it, was, it did become a vocation. Um, and but an interesting thing about that, like in 20 whatever years, I was reflecting a long time now, I've been a specialist about 10 times with never actually having a speciality. It's funny, people only remember the last two years of what you did. So now I'm a health expert. <laughs> for many, many years, I was an Aboriginal affairs expert. And very briefly, for six months, I was an international tax expert. Um, and if you meet anyone from that period, they still think of you as that. And it just shows that public service is really about this enormous adaptability. And although we always need specialists everywhere we go, actually, those general skills are incredibly transferable. And people say they're transferable also outside the public service. So Indeed. It, yeah, absolutely they are. Ros, what about you? What got you into public service? So I think service was probably a bit of an ethic that we grew up with in my family. I came from a, um, a working class family that believed in education, really strongly in education, and also um, in doing, kind of in doing, in being busy, in working hard and in doing things particularly for other people. So my mother in particular had a lot of you know, adages that she would say, you know, no one's a drop in the ocean, everyone has to make a difference, what will you do, you know, she had this kind of thing. So I think that idea of service, even for, um, you know, I have one sibling who's been very successful in a sort of corporate-y, I don't know, IT computer thing. Um, but even for him, this kind of ethic of service is, you know, goes through a lot of what he does. So for me it was initially as a social worker. So I started life as a um, child protection social worker and then a social worker working with refugees. And, and then I think it's not a long hop, skip and a jump from that to public service because you, you start to make that calculation if you're thinking about the ways you're spending your hours and your days about, OK, I can, I'm seeing the problems that I'm working on one piece at a time here. How do we kind of lift up a step from that? And other jobs I had, like sitting on the Social Security Appeals Tribunal as well, I used to keep a little secret book of all the laws I would change if I was ever in the right position, <laughs> hide it in a, in a desk drawer. Um, so I think it's that exactly what Caroline said, that there's once you're there, there's nothing like it. So I've got a... Um, sorry to keep talking about my children, but I've got a child who's now currently in grade 12 and a lot, he has a, a group of friends who don't seem to have a home. They just live at our house. <laughs> and they often will ask, you know, what should we do? What do you think we should do? And I always go, you should join the public service. You should do the graduate program. You should do the... And they all, they're frightened to come in now because it's sort of <laughs> a deep sell about the public service. But, I mean, I do say to them there is just nothing like it for that sense of making a difference, the diversity of every day. Yeah. But it is a very hard thing to actually explain what yeah. you do. So particularly when children are little and they say, so well, what do you do? We go, well, I sort of talk to people about things and I kind of convince people <laughs> to do things and then I write some emails and they're like, and we're still none the wiser about <laughs> the actual job. <laughs> but it is um, this sort of incredibly interesting, diverse, impactful thing to do. And certainly the diversity of work, I think, is, is something that struck me. I didn't fully understand until I moved to Canberra 20 years ago and started working with um, the APS more closely. When, as a journalist, realising the diversity of work and skills is just enormous. Mm. Um, that's why, yes, I think for young people, it's such a great place to get into it. Paul? Yeah, I mean, the, the opportunities are just incredible. I, I mean, my journey... Um, slightly different from Caroline and, and Roz, that uh, I'm ex-Air Force, as you mentioned. Um, I'm ex-two Air Forces. I couldn't cope with one. Uh, so I'm ex from the Royal, Royal Air Force in the UK and the Royal Australian Air Force. Um, and very similar to Roz and, and your family background, I came up uh, and with, 
was brought up in a family where uh, service meant more than just looking after the immediate family. It was about uh, how do we involve ourselves in the greater community and that psychology of uh, volunteering. Mm. Uh, both, both my parents were very much into volunteering mm. and I had uncles and aunts as well who were into volunteering as well. Uh, I started life as, as an accountant and um, uh, after a few years as a professional accountant in London, uh, in that corporate world, I went, I'm missing something. Mm. Um, and I was missing that aspect of, am I making a difference or not making a difference to life? Uh, and that's when I joined the, uh, joined the Air Force. Was fortunate to come out here in uh, 1992 and then join the Royal Australian Air Force. Um, and the Air Force, uh, as the Department of Defence does, has a huge number of uh, career opportunities for individuals. Uh, I moved from an accounting environment into security, into personnel management, now HR. And um, uh, then I was offered an opportunity to join the Department of Finance here in, in Canberra uh, into a role which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, and an opportunity after that to then join the Department of Defence as, uh, as a public servant. And, and I feel personally that through my public service environment, I am actually making a difference to individuals' lives. Uh, the, uh, the focus that we have in supporting the nation and supporting the government of the day is what really drives the majority of public servants who, who I meet. And it disappoints me when I read negative personas about public servants. Um, and that, I think, is where I try to have those discussions with those individuals who may have that, that persona or that perception and actually discuss with them the vast majority of deliverables that we deliver across the public service um, and how we're supporting the government and how we're driving and importantly, how we're the stable environment. So the, with, the, with the election cycle that we have here, it's a fairly brief election cycle, but what is stable is the public service that, uh, yeah. that is there maintaining those initiatives and maintaining those, those outcomes. You remind me of, of something that um, Auntie Jude said about that um, criticism of public servants. Yeah. And um, we all hear it, and yep. certainly I know in the media we've been responsible for it at times. Um, that must hit hard, though. I want to ask you all about this, because at times that must hit hard, particularly when it enters the public discourse through, uh, through mainstream media, and it's wrong. It's just outright wrong. And yet you are very restricted in what you can do or what you can say. Uh, in response to that, if anything at all. Um, how do you deal with those sorts of challenges? No, I'll come back to you, Rose. Um, how do you counter that sort of attitude? So my husband used to get really annoyed with me taking taxi drivers on about it, because if you ever tell a taxi <laughs> driver what you do, they go, ah, oh, well, I want to public servants. Yeah, um, and say, well, actually, you know, well, what we do is my team this week was blah, blah. So, um, but, you know, you'll get it everywhere, you'll, you know, it's, and there are generalisations about all sorts of occupations, you know. Mm. As I said, my brother, who's an entrepreneur, will often say to me over Christmas dinner, so do you actually sort of do anything? <laughs> I go, yeah, we do things. Um, but I think, like anything, it's knowing the worth of what you do. Mm. And I think the theme that I've heard as we're all talking is one of this kind of sense of this amazing thing you do, but that you do as part of a team. So not just the people you work with in the public service, but the people you work with out in communities who kind of form part of that broader team, particularly when you're working on change on a particular piece. 
And in a funny sort of way, sometimes the relationships you have as well with ministers and decision makers, mm -hmm. where you can kind of leverage what each brings to that to try to get things done as well. So I think it's just like anything, mm. knowing the worth of what you're doing and also countering your own sense of, am I really doing anything sometimes? Mm. So um, we'll often talk at work, you know, when something goes wrong, when you have a loss, talk about how important it is to kind of not allow yourself the luxury of becoming jaded about mm. things. So really kind of retaining that sense that even if you win one out of 100, even if you get one out of 100 up, that's still a kind of better odds than you. What, what about you when... hadn't gotten it done. What about when something is is um, undone, something good that you've done? Look, Paul just mentioned change of government. I mean, the election cycles in Australia are very short and we haven't had a change of government, obviously, for a long time. But when there is and perhaps something is undone, how do you deal with that? Most things don't get undone. Even if they say they're going to undo them, they generally don't. They might unravel them slightly, but yeah. Yeah. there aren't a lot that truly get undone. Yeah, and I think part of our role is actually to explain to the incoming government um, what the deliverables are, the benefit and the return on investment those deliverables are delivering. Um, notwithstanding what colour the government may be of the day, uh, our role is to support that government in delivering those longer-term focus on that longer-term policy aspects, that uh, generally what I've found with most ministers is that they're willing to listen. Uh, they're willing to amend their policy slightly. Um, some of the rhetoric might be slightly different, but underneath it, we're there supporting and we're continuing to, to, to drive those, uh, those improvements and those initiatives. Um, I, I haven't found a minister yet that's gone, I want you to totally stop that project. Mm -hmm. Well, that's encouraging to hear, I've got to say. Um, I want to ask you all about challenges, though, a particular challenge, perhaps, that um, you can identify where you really felt um, uh, you had to draw down deeply on those APS values to get you through. Um, if any of you can think of an example of that. Um, Caroline, I'm going to go straight to you. I've got a feeling you've got one. Oh, I've got many. I mean, I, I, mean, I think that's... One of the things about being a very senior public servant, it's an incredible privilege and we get paid enormously well compared to mm. the community. Don't, you know, we often have the comparison made towards major corporate flyers, but I don't compare them. I compare them with the, uh, that woman, that wonderful woman who works in the Parliament House um, dining area that you mm. talk to. Like, get paid a lot more than her and something has to come with it. And one of the things is actually being able to have that judgement uh, and being able to stand up and, and, and so very often it's difficult. It's very often difficult. You have to take responsibilities for things that you didn't do and you probably didn't even know about that happened in your team, but you have to take the... Mm. the and, and you have to shield people from the often legitimate concern that happens from above or from... Um, and, and that just comes with all of us in senior mm. jobs do that all the time. And if you don't do that, you're probably not doing your job. So I think those are all sensible things. But to... To go back to the undoing things that you've done thing, I mean, I have been called upon to directly undo things that we did shortly before, and some people can't do it, and it's because they're too invested, and so one of the things you have to do first is find those staff that are just too mm. invested and move them around somewhere else. And then going to Ros's point, it's about thinking in the language and the beliefs of the people you're working for, because for me, one of the fundamental things about being a public servant is humility, I am not elected and I'm not always right. Uh, and I, many of my dears 
are not the right ones and there's other ones and actually to listen to other ideas. So if a change of government or a change of minister comes and the minister says that program is bad, I want to change it, I want it to do something else, you often do salvage it, but you don't salvage it by explaining to them. What you've got to understand mm. is it's yeah. actually really good and the previous minister was better mm. than you. That mm. doesn't go down very well. <laughs> don't think that would go down too well. But if you strip it right back, to take out all the language and, the, and you say, well, what this is actually trying to achieve is this. Do you want to achieve it? Uh, these are the ways we've been doing it. These are the pros and cons of what's happened so far. Which bits do you want to retain? And also, mm. really importantly, how do you want us to badge this so it belongs to you, Minister? And mm. it gets back to public servants. It's never your idea. It's always someone else's. And if they take it on as their idea, you've succeeded. So I, I think that's a fundamental part of public service. And what was Paul was talking about, of having continuity between governments, is actually being able to stop and think, I'm not elected here. This is democracy. I believe that, that that's the right way. And how am I going to reframe these things that I do? Uh, in order to respond to, to who the new minister is. And sometimes you go home and you think, oh, God. <laughs> but the more dispiriting thing, and I think the thing you actually have to dig deeper for, and I'd be interested in other people's views, is the great idea that you've worked up every three months for the last two years that's never actually got traction, that mm. keeps on missing its moment. And actually, that's the moments that the morale and stuff really gets difficult and you have to think about giving people a change because mm. they've been working on it and working on it and working on it. It never actually comes to pass. Mm. Uh, but all of us should keep them in our bottom drawers because it, that ideas moment will probably come. Mm. I can't believe how quickly the time has gone and I could talk to you for hours, but um, I'm going to uh, move on to the, some of the uh, questions that have been submitted. But just before I do, I would like to ask each of you very quickly. I started off by asking you them about the moment of hearing that you had been nominated for PSM. Just... Can you each give me an idea of what it has meant to you since? And I know it's, it's relatively new for you, but... Um, has it changed the way you, you think or look at your role or your job or your commitment in any way? Ross? Um, I mean, I think it's, a, you know, it's an amazing privilege. It's a privilege that I think we all think for the most part belongs to the teams who are working with you on the, the various measures that get recognised. I don't think it's changed the way that you do things. I think you have a sense of probably underscoring the humility you have that sense of privilege of public service. Um, I do, I mean, I do get a bit, I guess, um, that, that's probably the one piece that it's really activated for me is that sense of the heritage of the public mm. service and the kind of co continuity piece. So I do think a bit about what piece of my time can I try to give to that, whether that's becoming involved in kind of service exercises that are going on, you know, the work that's being done at the moment about the review, what can you usefully add to that, how can you do that in a way that takes the service forward, what do you do for new or younger people who are coming into mm. the service. So it's, it's probably underlined that piece a bit for me, but I think it's mostly just that kind of celebration and recognition mm. of the things the people you work with have done. Oh. Legacy is so important though, isn't it, and to feel part of that long history. Caroline? Um, I think it's a, it's a rite of passage that's unique to public servants. It's a bit like turning 21 or getting married, which, by the way, is another thing I swore I'd never do. And, and <laughs> in that it, it didn't seem to mean that much to me in advance. Uh, and in a way, I don't think it's changed any, anything. I haven't worn the medal or anything. But, but it did give an opportunity for all those people that I know through the service, some of whom are here, um, to message and say what they thought and mm -hmm. that they valued the work yeah. and they remembered this instance. And so in, yeah. a, in a way, and a, it's a career which doesn't have those sort of things until you retire. Yeah. 
So it was a beautiful moment and so more meaningful than I expected in, in that way to have the, mm. the recognition and so on and, and be able to pass it back on to the staff who, who made mm. it happen. Mm. I think that's a, that is a really good point because I also had that experience of feeling like it almost felt a bit like everyone really did feel like they own it when you got it. It yeah. felt like a very collective in those messages. That's such a good yeah. point, Caroline, mm. I reckon. It is. It's beautiful. And, oh. and there's such a recognition for what's been achieved from the team perspective. Mm. I think it, and that was the important thing from my perspective is that I didn't look at this as Paul Way has earned the PSN. It's the team supporting Paul Way has actually assisted to to get that, that nomination, and I'm still trying to find out who drafted it, but, um, but to get that You're nomination... You're not supposed to, get to know. Approved, You're not supposed right. to know. Best um, not to know, I think. But I've got about 60 people that said that I started it, so that's <laughs> all right. Um, but the, but the, the bottom line is that, that uh, I would hope that none of us change as a result of being receiving any award. Mm. Um, it's great to have the recognition, but the recognition is because of your leadership style and your management style and actually being able to deliver a particular product to, to, to lead a particular team mm. uh, and deliver those outcomes, uh, one would hope that the, the award of the medal doesn't change that. Mm. I, I, I'm going to move on to the um, submitted question, but there's one more thing I want to say. Caroline, you made me think of it too. You don't wear the medal. I didn't wear it when I first got it because I felt a bit embarrassed and didn't want to draw my attention to it. And a, a woman who's a great role model to me, who I respect and admire enormously, I noticed that and at events that I didn't have it on and she told me off. And, and her point was, Virginia, you've got younger women looking up at you and they need to see that you have been awarded in this way because they'll ask you why. And You're, uh, you're absolutely right. I'm just too frightened I'll get them wrong. Because, you know, you get seven of them and they're all for different occasions. Mm -hmm. That's right. No, you're right. <laughs> I but, need to... Get it. But, but, you know, the, sorry, very quickly, I was I also... Uh, I was also <laughs> chastised That's very gently right. for the I fact that, that I wasn't using PSM after my name. The same, email yeah, email. same, same. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, one of my... Senior leader sat down with me and said, I think you should be using it. Yeah. And explained that it's not about me, it's about the individuals then looking up and saying, yeah. here's something that all of us can actually aspire to and achieve at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, I, I think it's very important. Um, I must admit, the first time I did wear it, when I finally wore it to an event, I walked in and Jane Holton came up to me and she said, Love, you've got it on the wrong lapel. <laughs> <laughs> See? That, I felt so stupid. I felt so, so stupid, but I was wearing it on the right when she said, so quickly went and changed. All right, um, we won't get through all the questions, but I, um, I, I will take one in particular, which I think this is a terrific question. And uh, am I allowed to name the, um, the questioner? Is that all right? So this is from Rachel Henry, PSM, from Department of Health. It's a terrific question. How do we take on the Governor-General's challenge as a public service to expand our nominations to better reflect our society, which you, mm. you touched on, Caroline? For example, while we're making progress on gender balance for recipients slowly, but yes, um, more work could be done to recognise the diversity and contribution in our workforce across Indigenous, multicultural and broader age representation. Any thoughts on that? Um, I think uh, in many organisations we're trying to get better at doing recognition at the local level, which gives, it, give, gives people ideas then when these broader nominations come around. So I think that's something practical that we can do, whether that's within your own small team or if you have some sort of local level, it doesn't have to be an award, but some way of recognising and mentioning what people have done. And thinking about the contributions that people make, not just to big shiny things, but to 
the culture in the organisation, to the work we might have done with stakeholders, you know, the person who um, is always the person who decorates the bays when it's wearing purple day, you know, whatever it might be, and noticing that range of things that contribute to the teams that then end up doing the work that wins the public service medals and also changes the country. I, th I think mm. that's sort of calling it out and you mm. being whatever level you might be in the public service, being responsible for calling out achievements in that range of areas is something we can do. Mm. Carola? I agree with Ros, but I also think there's probably a little bit more fundamental thinking as a society about what we value. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you said at the beginning it's about people who go beyond their job. Mm. You, you can go beyond your job without having to be, as you say, very senior mm. and difficult. And I mean, what, things we've done are yeah. difficult. But I think about those Centrelink counter people who mm. face with a smile someone who's very distressed or, or aggressive or so on mm. eat every day and come back the next day and do it again. Mm. All those people who do our pay, I mean, we only ever pay attention to them when they get it wrong, which happens remarkably rarely, mm. uh, and who pull out the odds to make the payments over the weekend because somebody didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and all those other people who do things in the public service that are absolutely fundamental but don't get noticed. And mm. it does reflect what we value, which we value seniority, mm. we value sort of being very articulate and mm. doing all that sort of stuff, which, you know, I like that you value that. But we should actually think about what it is that makes the whole piece fit together mm. um, and start thinking about how we nominate those people mm. more often. Yeah, very much so. I very much have the view that we are the Australian public service. We should reflect the Australian public and the Australian public uh, values and diversity. Uh, we've got a lot more work to be able to do and to undertake in that environment. Um, but that is something that we continue to strive to, uh, to undertake where we can. Yes, beautiful answers. Uh, the issue of what we value is, is interesting. I know since being a recipient myself now, I take a great deal more interest in reading through all the hundreds of names of recipients yeah. of the Australia Day Honours and the Queen's Birthday Honours, all of them. And it is fascinating, um, really fascinating, what people are um, uh, awarded for now, and it, it has become definitely a lot more diverse, particularly in the last few years, which is lovely to see. Now, I'm getting the, um, the wind-up notice because I've gone over time. Funny that. It's so easily done, though, when there are such fantastic people to chat to. Look, I hope you've enjoyed um, this discussion and uh, take away a few little gems from it. I know I certainly have. Uh, and at this point, I am asked to thank our guests, our speakers, Roz and Caroline and Paul, and we have some lovely gifts for you, handed to you apparently in a COVID-safe way. Um, now, as you've seen this afternoon, the Public Service Medal is an important element in Australia's honour system recognising public service. It's a significant recognition of public service and servants going to extraordinary lengths to administer and keep critical services going. And the PSM Awards celebrates successfully delivering complex responses and often in, in rapid turnaround times. And we hope that by having this discussion, short as it's been, that um, perhaps it has planted a few seeds of inspiration among you all, inspiration and encouragement uh, to nominate, among other things. In fact, I really hope that is a big takeaway from this discussion, that you will think of someone to nominate for the awards. And it's very easy to do. Um, in fact, it's got easier and easier over time. 
If you just jump onto the website, It's an Honour website, which is itsanhonour.gov.au. But it is really well worth doing, and uh, particularly when it comes to diversity uh, and gender diversity and, and right across our community, the diversity of people that need and should be included. Um, it's up to us to make that happen. Thank you very much for coming along this afternoon. And there you have it, a great conversation between Caroline Edwards, Paul Way and Dr Ros Baxter, hosted by Virginia Hausiger from the University of Canberra, about the all-important public service medals. I'm sure you've enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening to Work With Purpose. We are, as always, very grateful for your time and attention. If you do see the social media material promoting this particular episode, please pass it along, uh, refer it on to a friend, encourage others to listen to Work With Purpose, this great podcast that we uh, bring to life, the work of the people inside the Australian Public Service. And indeed, if you do have time for a rating or a review, that also helps the podcast to be discovered. But once again, thanks again for coming along this week and we'll be back at the same time in two weeks. But for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. 